You can open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. We come to the last chapter in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. If you have your journals, you can turn to page 70. If you have your Bibles, Romans right after the book of Acts. Romans 16. This has been an incredible study. I've loved every message has been so rich and powerful. We've had a great time going through the book of Romans. Romans 16 is a chapter many people will gloss over. They'll just, uh, it's a bunch of names and kind of skip through, but I promise you God has a lot of truth for us this morning out of Romans chapter 16. He mentions, you'd think that Paul would have covered everything in Romans 1 through 15. I mean, he has gone through so much But then we come to Romans chapter 16, and he uses a word that he has not used before. It's the Greek word, ekklesia. Ekklesia translated church. He uses the word church five different times in Romans 16. The church at Centria in verse 1. The churches of the Gentiles in verse 4. The church in their house, verse 5. All the churches of Christ greet you in verse 16. And then verse 23, Gaius who is host to me and to the whole church. Last week we heard a great message on how our ambition is to join Christ in his ambition to reach the nations. That we are to have no other ambition but to join the ambition of God to reach the nations. This week we learn how that is fulfilled. God's heart is to reach the nations. The way the nations will be reached will be through the church. The church, as David Platt would say, The church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. The church is the way in which the nations will be reached. Jesus established the church. He began the church. Jesus, when he left, he left behind the church. It's the church that's going to fulfill the mission of Christ, and it's the church that Jesus is coming back for. I love nonprofit organizations, uh, Salvation Army, YMCA, um, BSF, CBS, uh, these all great Bible studies, nonprofits. They're all great, but Jesus isn't coming back for nonprofits. Amen. Jesus is coming back for his church. He loves the church. Who here has heard somebody say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church? How many of you have thought that? No, no, don't, don't raise your hand on that one. I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Did you know that the church is family? 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 14, the church is family. To say you love Jesus, but don't love the church is like saying to Sam, I love you, Sam, but I don't care for charity. I don't like charity. The church is family. The church isn't just family. The church, it goes beyond, is 
the bride of Christ. Revelation 21, verse 2. The church is the bride of Christ. To say that you love Jesus but not love the church is like saying, Daniel, I love you, but I do not like Patricia. I mean, I didn't mean it, Daniel. You don't need to rush me on. No, you'd get up in arms about that one, right? You don't like that. The church is family. The church is the bride. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the body. You got that in Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, and 1 Corinthians 12, 27. The church is the body of Christ. To say you love Jesus but not love the church is like saying, John, I love your head, but your body I don't really care for. Uh, No. You have to love Jesus. The church is the body of Christ. The church is what's going to fulfill the mission. Jesus is the head, but the church is the body. I've never seen a person with just a head. I've seen, I've seen a person without arms and legs, but the church, the, a person needs their head and their body. And the body is what's going to fulfill the mission of God to reach the nations. Jesus is the head, but his church is the body. To love Jesus, you will love the church. The church will reach the nations. The church is plan A, and there is no plan B. In Romans 16 we learn that the, you can write this down, the church is a people unified by Jesus to reach the nations until Satan is defeated. The church is a people unified by Jesus to reach the nations until Satan is defeated. We learn that here in Romans 16. Let's look at this together. First, the church is a people. The church is a people, and we learn a lot about these people. It's easy to glance over Romans 16 and just see it as uh, nothing big, but Romans 16 will teach you that the church is a people. One of my favorite seminary classes was pastoral ministry class. And I remember going into the class and thinking I knew what pastoring was about. Pastoring's about writing sermons. Pastoring is about preaching. Pastoring is about writing good books. He blew my mind when he just said these words, pastoring is about people. He said it four times. Pastoring is about people. Pastoring is about people. Don't forget it. Pastoring is about people. He broke down this image that pastoring is about preaching and all that. No, pastoring is about loving people. Now we learn a lot about people here in Romans 16. First of all, people have names. Sounds uh, silly, but it's true. People have names. 35 names mentioned here in Romans 16. In verses 1 through 16, you get 27 names Verses 21 through 23, you get eight names. I love it that Paul mentions 35 names. You think of Romans and what a great theological book it is, and it is so rich, but he ends it with people's names. 
Because when it comes down to it, the church is about people. And people have names. And God knows every name and He cares about every name. He cares about every name that's here. Pastoring, the church is about people. So He names people's names. And I love it. Paul is often known as like this renegade. But he knew people's names. And guess what? He didn't even... He had never been to Rome. He knew these people's names and he had never actually been. People have names and names are important. In that pastoral ministry class, I loved it. We had about 50 people in the class and my final exam was to write out everybody's name in the whole class. And then we had to tell three things about everybody. 50 people, four questions each. It was 200 questions. That was it. It taught me something. And every other class I'd been to, I may have learned like three or four names. You know, the guys right around me. But that class, I learned everybody's name. I learned how to study people's names. How many of you have ever said, I'm not good at names? Yeah, that's a curse. I'll tell you that. A curse is something that's not biblical, but it sounds logical. You can learn people's names. There's people that can hear a song on the radio, and they can know the name of the song right away. If you put your mind to something, you can learn people's names. We want to learn people's names. Write them down. Study them. Learn people's names around the room. I challenge you, before you leave, learn five new names. Uh, Some people use the excuse, oh, I've met that person before. Humble yourself. Just say, hey, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. Ask somebody next to you, do you know that person's name? God knows everybody's name. He cares about everybody's name. And he wants you to learn people's names. All right, I got to keep going, sorry. Path, uh, the church is a people. The church is a people. We learn that people have names. And these people are greeted. 19 times in Romans 16, he uses the word greet. Paul, over and over, greet this person, greet this person, greet this person, Greeting is so big. <laughs> I was driving in my neighborhood and uh, a guy was walking in the opposite direction. And I'm driving down and he just does one of these to me. Didn't look at me. I'm like, dude, uh, <laughs> if, thanks for the effort of uh, throwing the peace sign out to me. You know, didn't look at me, didn't wave, didn't say anything. Just a little one of these. Greeting makes all the difference. You think about the difference between... Um, Burger King and Chick-fil-A. Now, there's a lot of differences, I know. But uh, have you been through a Chick-fil-A recently? How they greet people is just incredible. It's like they greet people uh, to take your order. Then they greet you as you pay. Then they greet you as they... The greeting can make all the difference. Did you know that 85% of people that come into a church, 85% decide if they're going to come back to church within first five minutes of coming on the parking lot. First five minutes. Greeting is huge. That's way before the sermon or the music is played. 
Greeting can make all the difference. I love George Ang's testimony. George Ang says he became a follower of Jesus Christ because of how he was greeted by Frank and Jean Chen out in the parking lot. Frank and Jean met him at the door and walked him in. Greeting, this is why I love our hospitality team. Uh, thank the Lord for each of our hospitality team. We need great greeters. We need people that will greet and share the love of Jesus right as they enter in the door. So if you'd like to join the hospitality team, let me know. It's a great way to minister. Thank God for Corey. I love seeing, they had about 15 people out there praying before the service. Every time our greeters are praying, God, give me eyes to see the new person. Give me hands to, to love somebody well and a mouth that can say hello and greet people well. These people were, had names. These people were greeted well. These people were diverse. There was old. There was young. There was male. There was female. I love it. There's a, I think there's eight female mentioned here in Romans 16. There were people of all different places. You got Phoebe in verse 1, who is from Centria, Corinth. You got... Apeneatus, who was the first convert from Asia. So the first convert in Asia was over in Rome. So it's a diverse people. And this is why I'm so glad here at Lilburn Alliance Church that we are a diverse people. We have over 60 different nations represented here. Not everybody looks alike. I love it that we're diverse in age. We got young, we got old, we got people all in between. You got diversity here between rich and poor. There were uh, several wealthy people and there were poor people. You got, uh, I think it's Phoebe who was a patron. And you got um, Erastus in verse 23 who is the city treasurer. You got rich and poor. It's a diverse people. I love it that we have a diverse church here. The church is a people, it's a people who have names, they were greeted, they're diverse. These people were servants and workers. Phoebe, a servant. Priscilla and Aquila, verse 3, workers. I love verse 6, Mary worked hard. These people were deacons and deaconess. The word deacons translated servant and worker. Christ was a servant worker. Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Jesus became a deacon. Jesus worked hard. So too the church should be full of workers. I think it's, uh, there's a saying, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. A lot of times that's true in the church. You've got 80% of the people doing 20% of the work. Here in this passage, over and over, they worked hard. They were workers. That's why I love our deaconesses and deacons. Uh, shout out to Pow, who was here. I think he gave his whole Friday to put in wood chips at the, the, uh, the children's area. We thank God for workers. We want to all be workers, servant workers. Paul not only gave a shout out to those who are working, but Paul worked with people. You often think of Paul as kind of a renegade guy that did it by himself, but he worked with people. He had a team of people around him. Verse 21, he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sepaphifer, my kinsmen, he worked with Tertius. 
Wow, some of these names are difficult, aren't they? Paul ministered with people and he worked with people. These people were risk takers. Verse 4, Prisha and Aquila risked their necks for my life. Andronicus and Junia in verse 7, fellow prisoners. These people were giving their lives for Jesus Christ. Their lives were on the line. They not only worked, but they were working so much that they said, you can kill me, throw me in prison, you can do whatever you want. They were risk takers. This is why I love that we're going to have Persecuted Church Sunday. We want to honor those brothers and sisters who are giving their lives for Jesus Christ. These people were people in Christ. Over and over, Paul says, uh, in Jesus Christ. Verse 3, Prisha and Aquila, in Christ Jesus. Andronicus and Junia, verse 7, in Christ. Verse 8, Ampliatus, in the Lord. Verse 9, Urbanus, in Christ. These people were in Christ. And this is what it comes all down to, right? Romans 1 through 3, the wrath of God. Romans 4 through 8, the grace of God. Then you got the plan of God, Romans 9 through 12. And then you get into the will of God, verse, uh, Romans 12 through 16. But you go back to the wrath of God. People need to be in Christ. Apart from Christ, you are dead. Dead in your transpasses and sin. You're dead. So people are called to be in Christ. And when they are in Christ, then they are loved. Paul loved these people. Verse, verse 5, my beloved Epineatus. Verse 8, my beloved Ampliatus. He said he loved Urbanus in verse 9. He said he loved Persis in verse 12. Paul loved these people. He really loved them. And he loved them because he saw them as family. These people were family to him. I love it. Verse 1, Sister Phoebe. Verse 7, Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, their family, brothers. I love verse 11. He says, Rufus's mother has been a mother to me as well. Paul had a mother. Rufus's mother was a mother to him as well. These people are family. When you look around the room, do you see family? Do you see brothers and sisters? Do you see sons and daughters, grandchildren? I am so glad. This is one of the reasons why I love the church. I, I have a great mother. My mom is amazing. She gives great gifts. I love my birthday comes around. She gives good gifts. She makes great food. But my mother is not my only mother. I grew up and I had many mothers to me. Many people would make me good food, and it wasn't just my mama's people. I received great food when Joel was born from many of you. I've gotten good gifts. Somebody came up to me this morning and gave a gift for baby Joel. There, you can be a mother, and you can have a mother. And you can be a father, and you can have fathers here. You may not have it in your nuclear family, but ask for it in this family. And not only ask for it, but give it. 
be a mother to somebody. I can look around the room and I can see many mothers here in this room that I'm thankful for. In fact, whenever I've traveled overseas, God has given me a mother. It's, it's really quite amazing. I have a mother in Norway. Her name is Greta. If you've, yeah, Don knows her. She's been here for the College of Prayer. The first time I went to Norway, 10 years ago, God gave me a mother. She loved me so much and just, she prays for me. She continues to pray for me to this day. I have a mother in Jordan. Happens to be Wadia's mother, but uh, we share mothers. I have a mother in Africa. I have a mother in China. I'm thankful for my mothers. The church can be family. The church is a people. The church is a people united by Jesus. It's a, it's, the church is a people united by Jesus. You come to verse 17 through 20. Paul says this, I appeal to you, brothers. There it is again, family. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetite. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. The church is a people united, united by Jesus. And Paul urges the church to maintain unity. He wants them to be one. He wants them to truly love one another as family, to be united together. And so this is what we are called to do. We're called to fight for unity. We're not called to fight against one another. We're called to fight with one another. God wants us to be united in Jesus Christ. And this is Jesus' heart. John 17, he's praying for the church. What is he praying? He's praying that they would be one. That they would be one. That they would be unified. God loves unity. Now with this unity, there's some misconceptions. Well, first of all, you remember um, Romans 14 when Paul's saying the kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking. There's little things that don't matter, that we don't need to worry about. This here is calling for unity, but there are some things that we do need to worry about. He does say, who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have received. And then it says, avoid them. So here's the, here's the word. You, purity, purity for the sake of unity. We are to hold true to true doctrine. We cannot compromise true doctrine. There's a misconception out there that in order to have unity, you need to accept everyone's beliefs. Not true. Purity for the sake of unity. We have to uphold core doctrine, like the word of God is the inerrant word of God. If there's a church out there that does not say that it's inerrant, no. Purity for the sake of unity. 
that Jesus Christ is the only way to have eternal life in heaven. That is, we need to uphold that. That God is three persons and that he is one in essence. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That Jesus is fully God and fully man. This is core doctrine that we have to uphold. Purity for the sake of unity. There's a misconception too that in order to be unified, we all have to act a lot alike. We all have to like the same music. We all have to dress the same way. We all have to like the same food. That is not true. We are diverse people. None of these churches in Romans 16 were the same. They were all different people. They liked different things. That's okay. That's not what unity is. Unity doesn't mean talking all the same way. We can celebrate our diversity here in this room. I love it that we have different nations. I love it that people like different music. And we need to learn how to embrace different music on the stage. We celebrate the diversity by upholding unity and purity. So there's certain things that we will hold to. Another misconception is that all the churches need to look the same. None of these churches were the same. Some of these churches met in houses. Some of these churches met in different, I guarantee you they were not all the same size. These were all different kinds of churches. So too, I love different churches around us. I love that we have a Southern Baptist church right down the road. I love that we have an Anglican, I love the Anglican church. I love the Presbyterian church. We can bless, you know why? Because I'm not fighting against them. I'm fighting with them. My mission is not to go and take people from the church down the road. I love Pastor Paul at Lilburn First Baptist. My mission is not to get their people. My mission is to go get the lost. And so we need more churches. I love it. We need more churches. This is why I want to start churches and why I love Clarkston and what's going on there. The church is plan A, but we need to uphold unity. We need to bless those who are in Christ, those that uphold the word of God. We need to bless them and fight with them to reach the nations. The church is a people united by Jesus Christ to reach the nations. You come to verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that, has, that was kept for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever and ever in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what the book of Romans is all about. He really sums it up here. I'd love to spend a whole message on these last three verses, but I'm not going to unless you want to stay late. No. Um, this is, Jesus wants to establish his church to be a people unified by Jesus to reach the nations. He wants to reach the nations. We heard this last night, that, they, that the gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, 
The preaching of Jesus can strengthen you. God wants to strengthen you by the preaching of Jesus Christ. What is it to be that has been made known to all the nations, verse 26, to bring about the obedience of faith. We've heard this over and over. The book of Romans is about to bring about the obedience of faith, that you would have faith in Jesus Christ and that the faith of Jesus would enable you to bring action, to obey Christ, and that you would obey Christ. Why? To reach the nations. Our ambition should be to reach the nations. The church is a people unified by Christ to reach the nations until Satan is defeated. I want to end with verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hallelujah! The church is to be a people unified by Jesus to reach the nations until Satan is defeated. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I love it. The God of peace. You know, there is a God of war. There's a time for that. But this is the God of peace. He's not defeating Satan by, it's not the God of war, it's the God of peace. You know, you think about the church, a lot of people are worried about the church. No, God is not worried. He's at perfect peace. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your head. You know, the first time the word church is used was by Jesus in Matthew 16. He said, I will establish and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus guarantees, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Will soon. I love it that it's soon, right? A lot of people, you may be wondering man, I'm going through so much trial. When will this end? When will I have my breakthrough? It's soon. In Matthew 24, the disciples are asking, when will you come back? When will you come back? He said, this gospel will be preached to the nations and then the end will come. It's soon. It's soon and very soon, as Andre Crouch would sing. Soon and very soon, it's sooner now today than when, Rome, than yeah. when Paul first wrote this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. I love it. You know, this is the first time Paul mentions Satan. In the whole book of Romans, he doesn't mention Satan. And then I love it. He just slides it in at the antidote like, oh, Satan will be crushed. First time Satan is used, he's crushed. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Your feet. Jesus has crushed Satan. We all know that, right? 
That was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan fell and God said he put the curse on Satan and he said you will walk, you will slither from now on. And then he said you will bruise his heel, speaking of Jesus, but he will crush your head. So Jesus has crushed Satan's head. But here in Romans the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Church, the body of Christ, we will soon crush Satan under our feet. Thank you, Lord. That word crushed, I got to just say this, means defeated, beat to a pulp, shiver to atoms. Overcome completely. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I was thinking about this word crushed. And I remembered when I was a kid, I used to love doing this. Uh, Sam, I'm going to need your help up here, you guys. If I can get a few volunteers here. We're going to do this together. The The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Here, Jake, come on, man. You got to get up here. Word crushed, obliterated, crushed under your feet. We get to take part in this church, every one of us. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hallelujah. Let's do it together. One, two, three. Yeah! Feel, feels good, right? I mean, I think, I think as a kid, there's a reason why we love doing this. You guys can sit down. Feels good just to crush something, right? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Church, let's be the church. Let's step into this church. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. But I want us to step into this. That we would be a people. That we would be a people who genuinely love each other. That we would be a people who knows one another's names. That we would be a people that greet well. That we would be a diverse people. A people that see each other as family. That we would be a people that is unified by Jesus Christ, that Jesus would bring unity in the midst of all of our diversity, that we'd be unified. Why? To reach the nations, that we would genuinely, that we would reach the nations like never before. I want to reach the the Sheikh people group here in Atlanta. I want to reach the Gujarati people. I want to start churches here. I want to start a thousand churches in Clarkson, Pete. I'm with you. I want to start a church up in Johns Creek. I want to start a church out in Snellville. I want to start a church in Decatur, Decula. I want to start a church in Stone Mountain. Why? To reach the nations. That we would be a people unified by Christ. To reach the nations until Satan, the God of peace, would crush Satan under our feet. Hallelujah. Let's step into this today, church. Let's step into this. Stand up with me.
I just encourage you to, you may want to pray with somebody next to you. You may want to come forward, step into it. Whatever God is calling you to do, I just encourage you to take action. To follow Jesus. To receive from him. Would you hold out your hands here in this place? Lord, I pray, God, that you would make us a church. That you would build your church here in Lilburn. Lord, I thank you for the church down the road. Lord, I thank you for Lilburn First Baptist. I thank you for Grace Snellville. Lord, I thank you for Passion City Church. Lord, I thank you for Cornerstone Church. Lord, I thank you for Harvest Church. Lord, we bless the churches around us. Lord, you've called us here, this local church, Lilburn Alliance Church. Would you make us a family, Lord? Would you raise up mothers here? Would you raise up fathers, sons, grandsons? Lord, would you baptize us with your spirit? Would you unify us here at Lilburn Alliance Church? Lord, to reach the nations, Lord, that we would reach the nations like never before. Holy Spirit, we need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Baptize us, Lord. And Lord, we want to see Satan crushed. Whatever obstacles are coming at us, there was a, there was a, I got to just pause here real quick. Matt brought to my attention this morning, he saw on Facebook that there was a, a party for families on witches. They were educating people in witchcraft and advertising it on Facebook. We want to come against that in Jesus' name. We want to cancel all those curses that were prayed that evening. We want to pray, and this is October, I know, the 31st, Halloween, there's a lot of junk. We want to stand against that. Ephesians 6, take your stand against the devil's schemes. We don't want to be passive. We don't want to ignore it. We don't need to fear it because the God of peace will crush Satan. Would you just join me in prayer against that? Jesus, Lord, we cancel every demonic activity that happened that evening here. Lord, we cancel that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bind it up. We pray, Lord, that that would be made a footstool for you, Jesus. Lord, we pray, God, that you would defeat Satan more and more here in Lilburn, Lord. Thank you, God, for leading us as a church to establish a perimeter of protection, to be free from evil spirits. Lord, thank you that in you, Jesus Christ, we can submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So we do come against you, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We loose the God of peace here in this place. We loose your kingdom, that whatever we bind on earth would be bound in heaven, whatever we loose on earth would be loosed in heaven. We celebrate you today, Jesus. Let's clap from the victory. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Uh, Lord.